Our scripture is from Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9, the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they came and said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, look, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. In a few weeks, you're going to be hearing poems from Walter Brueggemann's book, Prayers for a Privileged People. I understand Walter Brueggemann's nephew lives in Concord and runs the bagel shop. I'm going to be stopping in to visit. This is entitled, Unto Whom All Hearts Are Open. The pastor says, Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, and we rush to the next phrase, but now we linger there. We ponder our hearts, our deepest feelings of love and devotion, our closest organ of vitality, our place of deep decision-making, our instrument of being fully ourselves. Our hearts, that throb for contact with you, our hearts are open. They're not always open by our choice. For we would like sometimes to close our hearts and our minds and our hands. But they're open because our hearts cannot resist your steady care and address. Our hearts are open for you, very God. You're the one who has made us so that our hearts are restless Till they rest in you. Do your mysterious, majestic godding with our hearts reclaim, renew, re-enliven, that we may leave your presence transplanted, transformed, transposed, become by your attentiveness whom we have not yet embraced, open and receptive, honest and undefensive, unafraid, and committed to obedience. Let the pulse of our heart throb now according to the cadences of your rule. Command and we will obey. Overrule and we will yield. Lead and we will walk where we never thought to go. Unto you, not unto each other, not unto our pet projects, not unto our favorite charity or passion. Unto you, O God, our hearts are open. We are yours, be our God yet again.
On this day when we are celebrating communion, and on this day when we are talking about the Tower of Babel, I can't help but to think about what it means in our culture to have a storage bin. To have one of those places where we store all of the stuff that we don't want to keep in our house. I mean, this used to be an attic, right? Didn't it used to be the attic? And then we started building houses that don't have attics, so we turned our basements into rec rooms, so we no longer have a place to put our stuff, so we go to a storage facility. Now, you can't swing a cat in any town I've ever been in, no matter how small it is, that you can't hit some kind of a storage facility. There's a whole culture built up around this. There are people who go to these storage facilities and pay big bucks to be able to cut the locks off so that they can see what's inside. There's a TV show on it that you can go and check out other people's junk to see if there's something worthwhile that you might need to have. I'm appalled at this. I cannot believe that we have to have so much stuff that they've even created a TV show about hoarding. The first time I looked at that, I thought, I've been in some of those houses. I've been places where people are compulsive shoppers and have so much stuff that they don't even know how much stuff they have. But we think if we get just the right amount of stuff, if we have just the right amount, we're going to be okay. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, I know I am way closer to the end of my life than I am to the beginning. And every now and then, I look at what I have amassed, even since having a fire and losing everything, all the stuff that I have amassed in the past 20-some-odd years post-fire. And periodically, I will go through and say, I don't need this stuff anymore. Now, I took dinner to my daughter one day last week. I haven't decided why yet. But um, I did, mostly because I like to cook. But I took dinner up there. And because my granddaughters, oddly, three of my four grandchildren don't eat chocolate. I'm not even sure I'm related to them, but whatever. So I had to make a pan of blondies. And I had made lobster macaroni and cheese, so I put this in a big thing, and I put the blondies in a big thing. My daughter doesn't eat fish, so, shellfish, so I made her a small mac and cheese that was separate, and I said, I want the small dish back, the two big ones you can keep. And she gives me this look, this look that only Alice can give me, where her eyebrows go all the way up into her hairline, and she goes, is there something you're not telling me? And I said, absolutely not. I'm liquidating, that's all. I mean, I don't need all this stuff. I, you know, the only time I cook in quantity is when I bring stuff to you. And she says, so I'm out of luck from here on in? <laughs> and 
And I said, I can come and take a pan and fill it up for you, you know, but I don't need to have it in my cupboard. I'm trying to get rid of a lot of the stuff because I've sat with too many people who have no idea what to do with the stuff that they have accumulated throughout their lives. Who have probably rented a storage facility to put stuff that they don't want but can't get rid of. A number of years ago when I was moving, I had a very interesting experience with someone that was moving out of the place that I was moving into. Never in my life have I seen anybody this organized, and I think I'm a real organized mover. She had every box labeled. There were A boxes, B boxes, C boxes, and D boxes, and they were all numbered, and she had a notebook, and in the notebook for each box, she knew exactly what was in it because she listed it all out so they didn't have any issue with finding something when they moved. And I looked at her, and I said, so this is wonderful, but where's your box that just says stuff? And she said, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. And I said, I always get to the end of packing and have a box that is labeled stuff. And she said, I never do that. And I said, what do you do with those things that you just don't know what to do with? And she said, Jane, I take a picture of it and get rid of it. She said, you've got the picture. Why do you need to have the things as well? It was really a moment of enlightenment for me. Take a picture of it, throw it away. It's good. And I've done that several times with something that I didn't quite know what to do with. Take a picture of it, I've got the picture. Hardly ever look at the picture, but I didn't have to move the quilt that was done with that puffy paint that when you fold it, it sticks together and you can't open it up anymore. Why would I save that? But I do have a lovely picture of it. When God was watching the people build the tower to heaven, and they were going to get close enough and build it tall enough that they were going to be able to be right there next to God. Sometimes I think that's why we have high ceilings in churches. And then I know it's because that's where all the noise sits. Or all the heat. <laughs> it certainly isn't around us. But God said, it's not up to you to build something big enough to get close to me. You get close to me from here. Listen to what I have to say. And then God gives them all these different languages so they can't communicate with one another. But guess what? They can all communicate with God. God hears them and God speaks to them in language that they can understand. Hmm. Have we learned anything in the past three years about how little we need to have? 
Has anybody figured out what real estate is going for in Manhattan? You can rent an office in Manhattan for peanuts because people are working from home. They don't need these offices. The annual conference that I come from bought this wonderful building to house all of these things that the, the conference does, and they remodeled it, and it's beautiful, and nobody's ever there because they're all working from home still. They hold a few meetings there, but not very many. We've learned a lot about how unimportant church buildings are. That the building isn't what makes a church. It's the people who are part of the church that make it a church. It has nothing to do with the building. The edifice doesn't need to be here. Because you would still be a church if there was no building. Now it's convenient and we love our buildings, but when we love our buildings more than we love God, we're in trouble. I served a church once, the longest three years of my life, where they hired a person to work 12 hours a week to do Christian education from cradle to grave. Now, they were expected to be in the building from 8 until noon on Sunday morning. They were also expected to do three or four days of vacation Bible school, depending on how it fell. They were also expected to do all of their planning and everything in 12 hours a week. This was not a church that was particularly poor. But they did have a 40-hour-a-week custodian, and you could have eaten off of any floor in that building at any time because they sparkled. At one point, I had the gall to say, where are your priorities? You have a 40-hour-a-week custodian and a 12-hour-a-week Christian educator. What do you think? There's an expression that I've heard about families, looking good families, where the kids might be getting beaten inside their houses, there might be spousal abuse, but when they go out in public, they look great. Everybody is dressed beautifully, everybody behaves, and they are a looking good family. Well, that particular church was a looking good church. They thought that they were a high steeple church. They thought that they were the best church in the district. At one time, they thought they were the best church in the conference. Then the conference grew and they knew they weren't anymore. Right now, that church is on what I call hospice. They have a lovely facility, but they lost their heart. They lost their spiritual center. They lost their relationship with God.
So we can build a tower. We can continue to build towers of power that are going to be strong. But if there's no heart, it doesn't make any sense. We need to have a heart that listens to what God is saying to us. A heart that can be the church for the people. People in our neighborhood, the people we serve through mission, those are the people that count. And I hate to say this out loud, but I'm going to do it anyway. It isn't all about who's sitting in here. It's about who's out there. Who needs Jesus? Who needs to hear that they are loved by God? I don't do this very often either, but I'm going to do it today. Since I got here, I started subscribing to the conference's daily prayer. And it says we can use these, so I'm going to. And this is from the Commonwealth East District Superintendent, Reverend Chang. As we remember and celebrate the gift of the bread and the cup, O oh Lord, help us also remember and celebrate the gift of the table, the table you prepared even in the midst of imminent suffering, the table to which you welcomed even those who would desert and betray you, the table from which you shared your life with all. As we remember and celebrate the uniting gift of the Holy Communion, O oh Lord, help us and all your churches to be the Holy Table, the table that offers grace and Sabbath to this ever-anxious and breathless world, the table that always has one more seat for our, even our enemies, the table that brings together the best and the worst, both within us and among your people, the table that knows only how to welcome and serve for and with all. Amen.